Welcome to Take Control of Your Career, where we discuss strategies to get you in the driver's seat of your career. Here's your host, Lauren Herring. Hello and welcome to Take Control of Your Career. If you want to level up in your career, you are in the right place. Today, I'm so pleased to be joined by Lisa Nichols. She is the CEO and co-founder of Technology Partners, and she's the host of the Something Extra podcast and so much more. She's a good friend, and I'm just really excited that she's joining us today. Welcome, Lisa. Lauren, I'm so excited to be here with you. You and I always have so much fun every time we're together, so I am assuming that the same thing's going to happen today. And I know we're going to be talking about a lot of great stuff. Great. Well, you had me on your Something Extra podcast when I published my book, and that was so much fun to connect on that. So looking forward to now being able to turn the tables. Uh, Just to kick us off, uh, tell us about the Something Extra podcast and, you know, why do you call it the Something Extra? What is this? Yeah. You know what? Thank you for asking. I absolutely love talking about this subject, Lauren. Um, So I know you know this, but your listeners may not or probably do not. But we have three adult children, Jordan, Paige, and Allie. Allie is our youngest, and she has Down syndrome. And so for your listeners that don't know about Down syndrome, basically what that is, is there is an extra 21st chromosome that is in every cell that makes a person a Down syndrome person. And so the thing is, scientifically, Allie has an extra chromosome. She does have something extra, scientifically. But what I always say, when you get to know her or when you get to know any special needs person, people in general, we all have something extra. Allie has a lot of something extras and you and I don't have enough time for me to go over all of those, but she is extra loving, extra caring, extra helpful, intuitive. Extra joyful. Joyful. Oh my goodness. That's a perfect word to describe her. So she's got all these something extras. Um, But about four years ago in 2018, the team, we were looking at how can we bring more leadership stories? Because, you know, and I know we're going to talk about this, but we have what's called a technology leadership experience where we're taking high potential tech people to their next level. And so how can we tell those stories? And we came up with, well, let's do this podcast and we'll call it something extra. Because every leader, every person is unique, right, Lauren? And we all have something extra to bring to the table. And my whole thing, when I talk about something extra, we are all gifted with something extra, but it was never meant for us to hoard on our own. It was never meant for us. It was truly meant as a gift to give back to the world, right? To make the world a better place. And and Allie certainly steps into that every single day of her life. She's she's giving back and uh and so, yeah, so that's the Something Extra podcast is all based really on Allie and that story. But, you know, I've had, I think we're up to, I want to say 180 something episodes now. And I know you, you know, we're doing your podcast now. It's just been such a delight and so much fun. I have loved it. It's been one of the most fun things I've done in my career. Well, you have done just such a great job of bringing these 180 something extras out to the world and to continue to give uh, not only yourself, but then also that they can they can give share their gifts. Tell us 
what your something extra is, Lisa, because you're always asking the other person what their something extra is. That is a really good question. Yeah. I mean, I think I've got a few. I, I actually asked my kids this question early on. What do you think my something extras are? And then, you know, we've talked about every person in our family, really. But there's a couple of things. I think, um, you know, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but I, I truly do have a a real deep love for people. I just love people. I do love people. And, you know, my, um, Lauren, I don't know if you knew this, but my one word for 2021 was love more. And I said, now I know it's not one word, but you may know my friend, Bill Ellis, who's a brand strategist. And he's like, it's okay, Lisa, just put a hyphen in there and you'll still be in compliance. So that was love more, but how can, you know, and that really could be my, my word every year, truly, because it's like, you know, how can we love people more? How can we love them the way they would receive love? You know, you talk about Gary Chapman's, the love languages and, He's got appreciation in the workplace. You know, there's a way to do that in the workplace too. And I know we'll talk about that more, but I think that's one of them. I also, um, I'm a little bit of a, uh, a connector. And I think that probably comes from just that innate desire to want to um, impact and help people. And whether that's with a connection or whether that's with, you know, some other resource or talent or whatever that I may be able to to bring to the table. So I think that's one, um, you know, and then I, I'm, I'm pretty vulnerable. I mean, there's really probably not much you could ask me that I wouldn't, you know, just say, okay, I'm an open book on this. Why not? Right. So, yeah, those are a few, though. Awesome. And really powerful ones, especially in leadership. We talk about, you know, the power of vulnerability and being able to show that and sometimes how difficult it is. So the fact that you're able to really open yourself up, especially as a leader, you know, that says a lot as well. Yeah, I think it gives, I think when we do that, Lauren, I think that it gives other people permission to be themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. In- well, and and honestly, Lisa, you're probably one of the people that is most yourself authentically, externally, and you know, living your values. And one of the ways this shows up is how you lead with your faith. And that's another thing that I thought was an interesting thing for us to dig into a little bit more. Uh, one of the ways that we've reconnected in the last year further is uh, you've started a uh, a nonprofit group called the Rooted Sisters around a um, you know business women of the Christian faith you know studying the Bible and you know being in community and I, I think that's been something that a lot of women have been really interested in, and and um, you know received a tremendous amount of benefit for, from you've not only started that but you know you you really go out and you know, bring people into the fold as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's one of those things, you know, religion and work sometimes can feel like oil and water. Like you're not supposed to talk about God, you know, in cocktail uh, environments or at work, mm-hmm. it can feel uncomfortable. And, you know, maybe people think, oh, well, she's, she owns her own business, so she can say whatever she wants. But right. you know, what do you, what do you talk to people or what have you heard from people that are maybe, you know, in middle management in a more corporate environment where they've still been able to really live out their faith in an authentic way. So talk a little bit about that, if you will. 
Yeah. Well, hey, Lauren, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you're asking this question because to your point, a lot of people do shy away from this subject, right? But we just talked about vulnerability and authenticity and being real. And for me, and I'm just, and I understand that not every listener subscribes to this, but you know, you've already alluded to the fact that we're Christians. I'm a Christian, which means I'm a Jesus follower. I try to follow his ways. I believe the Bible is my blueprint for how I should live my life. Um, And there's so much practical things in there that would completely align Lauren with psychology, (laughs) you know, um, thinking of others more than yourself, you know, uh, Romans 12. If you just read Romans chapter 12, it's thinking of others more than yourself, honoring others, um, not trying to get revenge on your enemy. I mean, if you subscribe to that and you live that out in the workplace, I'm telling you that it's a different way of living. I mean, and and people, you know, we always hope and pray that when we are living according to how the Bible says we should live and, and following the ways of Christ, that people will see the difference, right? And um, I had told you, I don't know for sure that this was St. Francis of Assisi, but we're just going to say it is. <laughs> There's probably people that say, no, that wasn't really him that said it. But, you know, he said, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. So I never like go in and try to, I'm not a Bible thumper. I'm not thumping people in the head, you know, and, and really like using my words as much as I am trying to show people a different way through the way I behave, through the way that I treat them, through my attitude. I have joy. You know, you talked about Allie's something extra being joy. She's so joyful. Um, Allie knows God. She has a discussion with God every morning. She sits down. Her morning routine is to sit down with her cup of coffee and her little devotion book every single morning. And she listens to worship music while she's working out. That's her morning routine. You know, but she has joy in her heart. Well, listen, you know, we, you and I both know every day is not easy, right? And there's days that you go in and you may not have that joy, but I'm telling you, you know, um, the scripture also says that we are not to be conformed to the world, but we're be to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, you know, Lauren, that is practical too, right? We know that there are lies that others are saying, you know, that are coming at us from the outside. You're not enough. You're not smart enough. You can't do this. What makes you think you can do that? Oh, you've messed up so much. You, you're not going to get that promotion. You know, um, then there's the lies that we tell ourselves, <laughs> right? Well, the the word of God will help you go, no, those are lies. What does God say about me? God says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am his treasure. You know, he is with me always. I'm never alone. I'm going into this presentation feeling alone. I'm not alone. I have the God of the universe on my side. You know, I mean, so, I mean, I, I'm just saying that for me, I I very rarely like just come out and tell people. Now, here here's the thing. When somebody asks you, I'll give you, I'll give you an anecdotal. So there were several years ago, I think you remember when my mom passed away about, 
you know, it would be eight years in August. There were a lot of things that were going on during that time that were really sad. Okay. And hard, hard things. I mean, we all go through really hard things. And I remember one of our employees coming in to my office and she had just lost her mom. And she came into my office and sat down and she said, I have to ask you something. I see everything you're going through right now. And how in the world are you still so joyful? How are you joyful? And I said, do you really want to know? <laughs> and she goes, yes, I really want to know. And I told her, I said, it is my faith, my my hope and my faith. And I'm rooted in Jesus. He is my hope. And <clears throat> I believe I'm going to see my mom again, you know, and this kind of opening up the conversation. So what I'm saying is, you know, the way you live your life, the way you behave, the way you show up every day, you know, people will hopefully see that there is a difference. I told you there's another mutual friend of ours that is a rooted sister. I won't name names, but she's at a very large privately held company. And, you know, they have all the employee resource groups, Lauren, and she is very rooted in Jesus. She's a Jesus lover. She's a Jesus follower. Well, she just got tapped on the shoulder to run their whole interfaith ERG, you know? And so, but I don't think she's going in like just preaching the gospel every day. I think it's because of the way she is interacting with people and, you know, the way that she's behaving herself. And yeah, so, especially as an interfaith where all are welcome. Absolutely. And that's you what want to be able to start dialogue and have absolutely solid conversation on that subject. Yes, but they tapped her on the shoulder for that. So, I mean, if I if I sat here long enough, I could probably go through so many more stories, but you know, if you look at the Bible in totality, here's the Bible. The Bible is about relationship. When it boils down to it, it it boils down to relationship. It's our vertical relationship with God, right? And then out of that our horizontal relationship with one another. And so I had said that one of my something extras, Lauren, is I do have a love for people, but I will tell you that comes from the love that I know I have from my heavenly father and his love for me. And it just spills over there. So that is a very long answer to your question, but I think it's such an important one. And, and like I said, I, I know that not everybody is going to ascribe to the way I believe, but I have to just say, here's the way that I try to live my life. And, um, you know, I mean, it's for me, um, that's just who I am. And I don't ever, I don't ever see that being different because, um, you know, it, it works. And, and my faith, everything else in my life, my family life, my work, everything flows out of that central relationship. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us. And, and clearly the love that you have for, for uh, Jesus and, you know, for bringing that to other people comes out as well. So thank you. Let's dig in more to the the type of work that you do. Technology Partners is an IT recruiting company, among many other things. Uh, so you have a lot of interesting things to share on the topic of, uh, you know, IT and jobs. So it's a hot job market for people in IT right now. How should an IT professional be thinking about a job search in this market or, or maybe in any market? 
Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It is a hot market. <laughs> it is a hot market. I was just in a meeting yesterday, Laura, and, and I tell you, top of mind for every CIO right now, how do we get the talent? How do we attract the talent that we need to get the job done? But then once we attract them, how do we retain them? How do we engage them? Because I'm telling you, we have to come in every day expecting that our people are being courted by somebody yep. else, you know? It's yeah. just And not cool. only IT, but I think especially IT. Especially IT. Yeah, there's a Wall Street Journal article that just came out. Get this. America has got talent, just not in IT. <laughs> there's over 1 million technology jobs right now that are going unfilled. And I just heard a recent stat last week for St. Louis alone, there's 45,000 tech jobs right now that are unfilled. Wow that we do not have the talent for. So yeah, there's a definite demand. Here's the thing though, that I would say a good IT professional should have no problem finding a job. <laughs> they should have no problem finding a job. You know, it really truly is a candidate's market, but here's just a few practical things I would say. And I'm not saying this because technology partners is a firm, but I would say align with a good firm. That's the first thing I would say. If you are really looking for something, here's the thing, you know, we have a, um, you know, a bird's eye view across a lot of different organizations. You know, a firm is going to be able to come and tell you culturally how this, you know, company shows up, particularly maybe it's a group, maybe you're a data scientist. Well, here's what data scientist at Bear looks like. Here's what the data scientist at MasterCard looks like. You know, they're going to have that that bird's eye view that you may not have if you're just submitting your resume to, you know, a portal. And and there's a place for portals. There there is, but but I would say, you know, unfortunately sometimes we kind of call it the black hole. If you just yep. submit your, you know, you got to have somebody advocating for you. That's the word. That's the word, Lauren, that I'm looking for. Somebody advocating for you. So a firm can definitely do that for you. Um you know, but I would also say, so like we do full-time equivalent or permanent, you know, placements, but, you know, I would say, and it used, it used to not be this way. I, especially like when you, your dad and my dad and our parents were working, you know, it was more like get to a, to a company, stay there for 30 years. To be honest with you, that's not the way it is anymore. I mean, you know, I would say, don't be afraid of a consulting gig. You know, and, and sometimes you'll hear people go, oh, it's not as stable. It's not as stable. Well, you know, the, the honest to goodness truth is companies are looking for fresh perspectives. When they're looking for people, they're looking for people that are coming in with fresh perspectives. They're looking for people who have seen across a lot of different organizations that they can bring those best practices to bear to their organization. So do not be afraid of that. I'm telling you, a good IT consultant will stay employed. And so when you say, you know, don't be afraid of the consulting, does that mean that uh, someone on the IT side that goes for one of these consulting jobs, is that uh, where, okay, then maybe they'll hop from place to place? Or how often is it that that consulting gig will end up as a full-time oh, employee role with those companies? Absolutely. That happens. That happens. And, you know, yes, that happens because, you know, they may go into 
enterprise or bear or another company for 18 months and then decide to hire in. And, and that's great. But then, you know what, we've had people, Lauren, we have had consultants that have retired with us that have been a consultant for 18 years, you know, and they don't want to hire in because they want something fresh. They want something new. They want to continue to be learning. They don't want to yeah, get. Yeah. So it really challenge. It, it, it comes back to what do you want out of your career? If you want that long-term stability, or are you actually really energized by doing something new every one to three years? Yeah, yeah, that's that's precisely correct. What would you say in terms of for the the job seeker? Like, I I, I hear you that a good IT person shouldn't have a problem finding a job right now, right. but you know how does how does someone really stand out in the IT job market? Yeah, that's a great question, too. Well, can I talk about our technology leadership experience? Yes, absolutely. Can I talk about that? Okay. Yes, because that's actually one of the, one of the things I wanted to uh, dig into next, which are, you know, what are the key points that you suggest for technical leaders to focus on as they develop their leadership skills? So, yeah, take yeah. it take it away. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited to talk about this. This, this program has been wildly successful. What we, we, about eight or nine years ago, we were very instrumental in bringing a CIO, a Chief Information Officer Summit to St. Louis. And we've done this every year uh, with a, um, an organization out of Connecticut, Connecticut called HMG. Well, consistently, Lauren, when we're in these summits, what we were hearing is that, you know, the, the, the middle layer really did not have the leadership capabilities to go to the next level. And yeah, that's um, what we see all the time. It's, it's yeah. you know, how do you get that middle layer ready to take the next step? Absolutely. And here's what happens in IT, and I'm, I'm assuming probably in most other disciplines as well. Here's what happens in IT, though. You take your best technical architect you know, the, the, the person that shines bright, you know, technically, and you're like, okay, all of a sudden now, Lauren, you are so smart. Now we're going to put you in charge (laughs) of this whole team of people. And guess what? You've never had training in that. You, I mean, you've been an individual contributor, right? You, you don't know really how to lead. And so I think the stats are the average age that someone steps into a supervisory role is 27. But when they get their first leadership training, if you can believe this, they're 41. What? Yes. Look at that gap. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Is this specific to IT or is this a broader stat? I'm not familiar with this. Yes, it is specific to IT. It's specific to IT because, you know, um, I was just talking to someone yesterday and, you know, the other stat that you may find staggering or maybe not is that 60% of first-time managers are going to fail in their first two years. 60% because they have not been trained, right? Well, especially the... The skills required for successful delivery of IT services are not at all aligned with the skills for successful leadership. It's um, it doesn't mean that they can't coexist, but they're not naturally one following the other. 
That is precisely correct. It's really the soft skills or the core competencies. There was a study that was done with Babson College. I'm sure you're familiar with Babson on the East Coast. And what they did specifically looked at IT people and they came up with 15 core competencies that are necessary for a technology professional to be successful. And this would be things like agility. It would be things like how do you lead change in an organization? Um, How do you move from an order taker to a consultative mindset. We want to get these IT professionals to be more innovative anticipators of what's coming around the corner. We always say business first. We're business people first. Technology is an enabler. Technology is a can be a driver, but you're solving business challenges. So getting them to understand the business acumen. So it's these kinds of things that this technology and leadership experience is is addressing during this nine month period. But the thing is, the difference is it's specific to IT people. So we have about 25 people in a cohort that go through this together. And mind you, they're from different organizations, Lauren. So the most that we will allow from one organization and one cohort is four people. Because we really want the people in the cohort to be learning Mm-hmm. what their peers are doing at BJC or their peers are doing at Mercy or their peers are doing at Enterprise. So there's 25 people in the cohort. There's three workshops that are are um, delivered in modules throughout the nine-month period. The, the cohort is divided into five cohorts of five. So you are working in a sub-cohort and you're working on real-world challenges, with that sub-cohort. At the end, there's a capstone project that you're doing with your sub-cohort. We pair every participant with a CIO or a retired CIO. That's their mentor through the period. And, and you know, we've got so many of our people that continue to meet, you know, even after, you know, graduation. Great. There's a formal graduation at the end. They actually present, make a, they all make presentations um, and graduate from the program. So, so to date, we have completed or we've had eight cohorts, eight cohorts. So we've had over 200 people go through the program. We're launching cohort nine, April the 26th. I don't know when this will air, but April the 26th, it'll be a co-ed cohort. And then mid-July, we are launching our first all-female cohort because we also understand um, that we need to get more women into STEM and we need to get more women into leadership positions in technology. Yeah. So I, that was interesting in terms of some of the key things that you talked about being a business person first and a technology person second, where you're focusing on technology as the enabler, not necessarily, you know, the end all be all. And that's probably a, a big mindset plus that leading change is huge as well. So those, those definitely seem like some key things to focus on in the technology space as you grow up uh, in, in an organization or yeah. are you know, positioning yourself for the next step somewhere else. Um, yeah. Back to the, the conversation about women, you, uh, you highlighted something that's near and dear to my heart as well. You know, we have a big challenge with not only getting women into tech, but also getting them to stay in tech. There's a lot of stats about, you know, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. in three years and then, you know, once they are, are feeling some of the issues or challenges, it's not a comfortable place to be, um, you know, for uh, when you're the only one in the room. So um, Mm -hmm. there's lots of systemic things that we could talk about, about what some of the challenges are. But what are some actionable things that a woman who's just getting into technology can do to um, uh, 
uh, to get them on a good path. So they're not tempted to go out to, you know, just a, a, a an easier lifestyle a discipline. Yeah, that is a great question. Yeah. And there's so much, I mean, we could, we could do another podcast just on this, Lauren, <laughs> because, you know, there's so much about just getting girls interested in tech to begin with. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, and, and getting them to understand at an early age that it's not the geeky thing, the nerd, you know, in the, in the corner, you know, I mean, there's awesome things. And we talk about that a lot at technology partners that really technology, technology, we're harnessing the power of technology to improve the world. And I've got so many anecdotal stories on that of how technology is truly improving lives. Um, you know, and if we have time, maybe we can get into that, but, but yeah, um, you know, one of the things I would say, like, you know, and not to pitch the, the all female cohort, but find those tribes, find those tribes. A lot of the larger organizations, I will just tell you, um, Lauren have done an amazing job with, with grabbing the women in tech and having them support one another, right? Uh, MasterCard is a formal mentor program within MasterCard. So they are putting EVPs with the juniors, you know, to mentor them through mm -hmm. their journey. I would say that is so important and it doesn't have to be another female. Listen, Jennifer Hopper is a really dear friend of mine. Jennifer was, um, was at Accenture, um, as a consultant, took time off when she was having her children and then was coming back into the workforce. And I remember she'd worked with a gentleman by the name of Gary Vonderhaar. I'm going to call him out. He's 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 hilarious. He's um, an EVP at MasterCard. But he always says he's been there for 18 years and he's like, I've had nine lives since I've been there. Because <laughs> he's, he's had so many different roles. But I'll never forget Jennifer saying, Lauren, when she came back into the workforce at MasterCard, she's like, I'm really afraid. You know, what if I'm, you know, I, I've been out and what? And he's like, be yourself. You know, I mean, she would tell you that he has been a mentor for her through her journey. Now she is the CIO for Save a Lot, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, well, but it's it's also like you said, it's finding those people that you can connect with who really believe in you because it sounds like he uh, did more than just mentor her. He probably sponsored her into absolutely. Uh, other yeah. opportunities. Yes. Teresa Sanzatera is another friend of mine that was a CIO for a large pharma. You know, she would tell you that Mark Tom, you know, uh, was her mentor. I mean, you know, you. Yeah. So can the, I, I'm hearing, you know, connect with women in the group, but also find someone that you can personally connect with that you can lean on and then, uh, grow with them potentially as well. Help, help you. Yes. Help you on your journey. And listen, you know, Lauren, I want to say one other thing. So for women that are out there that are further along on their journey, make sure that you reach back mm -hmm. and pull someone with you. There is an onus on us, right? To do that for somebody else. So don't forget that piece, you know, for, for maybe some of your listeners that are farther along. There yeah, are women. Great, great point. Great reminder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're just going to wrap up here. The one question that I really uh, am excited to hear your, uh, your thoughts on because you have so much diverse experience. Uh, what is your top career advice that you give people, whether technologists or not? You know, what do you advise people as they're 
wanting to move up in their career or take the next step? Yeah, well, that's that's a hard one because there's a lot of them. But um, two things. I'm going to say two things. Uh, one is never stop growing. Never stop growing. There is always another level that you can go to. You, you never reach the summit. You know, you mm-hmm. never do, Lauren. But that's up to you. I mean, you know, nobody can grow for you, right? So never stop growing. That is one thing. Just be the best you can be. Um, I'm going to give you another anecdote. So I will never forget this. Bhavani Amirathalingam is the chief digital information officer for Amron. Brilliant, brilliant. And I remember her saying one time, and I will never forget it. I mean, she has just had an illustrious career, you know, worldwide Schneider Electric, now the CDIO for Amron. And she said she has never focused on building her resume. You know, a lot of people go, oh, I've got to keep building my resume. She said, my focus has always been bringing value. Yeah, be other focused. Going back to the first part of our conversation. Absolutely. How can I bring value to the organization that I'm at? And she said, here's the thing. If you will make that your focus, your resume will build itself. You know, and that can look, I mean, there's, there's a lot of tactical things, Lauren, we could talk about there. You know, uh, I've had so many women leaders that will say, you know, I raised my hand for the, for the projects nobody else wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, that takes courage because, you know, those are probably crappy projects. <laughs> there's a reason that nobody else wanted those projects, right? Cause they're hard. So it takes courage to do that, but you know, Focus on bringing value and then you won't have to worry about it. You're going to continue to rise up through the chain, you know, and be kind in the process, you know, be kind in the process. Nobody wants to work with somebody who is not amicable and, you know, uh, they, they, they want to work with somebody that's enjoyable. So, you know, make sure that you put kindness in there too. Wonderful. Well, thanks for all this great insight and, you know, on, living personally, authentically, and, you know, bringing value. I think that is a tremendous uh, area to leave on. So Lisa, it's been a joy talking with you. Thank you for joining me. And I appreciate all that you've shared with our listeners. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Take Control of Your Career with Lauren Herring. Be sure to check the show notes for our guests' information. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show so that you don't miss an episode. Want to get control of your career now? Visit www.earnyourworthcareers.com. You can get your own career coach or download a free ebook on best practices to ask for a raise.